Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. We're in a series right now called Dear Christian, and we've been looking at the Bible and reading it as always. If this is your first time, it's something we do every week. We go to God's Word. And so uh, turn with me again. What's, again, Ephesians chapter 6. If you got it, say amen. Amen. Words will be on the screen. If you need a Bible, stop by Connect. After service, we'll give you a Bible. We believe every person needs their own Bible. So again, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Uh, we're going to jump right in. And finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Thank you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Please remember that. We're going to address that in one of our our points today. we, We must see this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, uh, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Can we pray one more time? Amen. God, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much, Lord, for all that you're doing in our church, in our life, Lord. And, and uh, God, thank you once again for the family you're connecting to this house, God. We thank you, Lord, for, Lord, that we're a part of a bigger family, the family of God, Lord. We, so I just thank you right now, Lord, for every church that's out there preaching the gospel today, that's preaching truth today, God. I pray, Lord, that they'll see a harvest, God, for the seed they're putting in the ground, God. I pray, Lord, that they'll experience uh, an awakening of revival in their, in their church and in each and every heart who walks through the doors of their gatherings, God. I just pray that today, God. Because, Lord, as Christians, as dear Christians, or as your believers, as your body, God, we need each other, God. We need your word. We need one another, God. And we just pray, Father, today our hearts and minds will be open for what you want to speak into us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, Again, dear Christian, if you haven't been with us over the last uh, now 14 weeks, uh, we're in a series and we're looking at the things that I believe every Christian needs to know. This is, this is some stuff that we must learn. And as Christians, as the family of God, uh, we, there's certain truths that are in here that we got to learn. We got to begin to walk out. I love how we see in Scripture how the, uh, these, uh, these instruction, direction, correction, different things were sometimes done in a form of a letter. And so kind of the inspiration behind this series. Again, what would I write to the church today? What's the word spoken to the church? And so these are things we've been getting. Uh, one of the things we've been 
looking at over the last about seven weeks now, six weeks, is of how to fight this thing out, how, how to understand that there is a battle that's taking place. Uh, it does not just, you know, it's not you get saved and then it's just kind of like, hey, everything's all good and everything's, everything goes great and there's struggles that come. There's situations that happen. There are enemies that are after you there's a there's a there's a devil who's out to kill, steal, and destroy. There's a God who's come to give life, and so we got to learn how to experience the life. And so He's given us some things. He's given us the armor of God, and I love it. I've been having a great time teaching this. And last week we uh, we shared on the helmet of salvation. Again, all the messages are online. I encourage you to go listen if you're behind. But we talked about the helmet of salvation, and our salvation is critical. Our salvation, everything hinges on that, but that is not, and we learned last week, our salvation is not just this kind of one-time prayer that you pray, all right? It's not just something that just, well, I pray a prayer, now I'm done. Our salvation is far bigger than that. The word itself literally means, as you study it, would you will learn that it is us that got saved we are in the process right now, even after getting saved, of being saved. And then there's going to be this day where we get saved. So, I mean, I just love this. So it just tells me whatever may come my way, man, God's going to carry me through. No matter what I'm facing, there's something greater on the end, the salvation of God. And so every person who answers a salvation call, and we still believe in the altars here. We still believe in prayer. I had someone who visited our church last week for the first time. They said, we're going to come back just because, man, we didn't, ain't been to a church in a long time that has an altar call. Yes, that happens in a lot of places. And so I still believe in prayer, still believe in the altar. So, But every person who started that prayer needs to understand as a Christian today, he didn't just get you saved and then throw you out on your own. You're not out there trying to figure it out. You're not out there trying to do this. That's why you need the family. That's why we come together. And this happens for us as we're being saved, as we're getting saved, as God does this work. We gather around one another. And then we do this. We, the vision of this church is, is, you know, we talked about is making Jesus known because Jesus is salvation. It's Jesus. We're, there some of you may gather around over the holidays and come and sit around and open up the Bible to Luke chapter 2 and, and read the words that for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. As you read that Christmas story together, and that Savior that was born was Jesus. And he is the Savior of mankind. So he is, everything hinges and sets in him. So again, this salvation he's given us, he asks us to do it this way. Take it, put it on your head, wear it, think like a believer, put on the mind of Christ, the Bible says, and let this just literally gather and protect and surround your thoughts. And again, he saved us. Now, in the same verse, we see another piece here that God's given us, and he gives us the sword of the Spirit, all right? Verse 17, he's given us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, all right? Which is the Word of God. So I, I want to today, I'm going to kind of work in backwards order just for a moment with what this verse says. It says that we've been given the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
All right. What I want to do for just a moment, I don't want to talk about the sword of spirit. They're going to work together. But the sword of spirit will be kind of our second point we're going to look at. But the first one is this. I want us to look at what the word of God here is uh, saying when we uh, read this together. Now, I'm not, I'm going to make a disclaimer. I'm not no big Greek theologian. I like studying it. I like trying to learn it. Um, I, I believe it's a beautiful language. I believe that uh, in our English translation of words, we lose some of the meaning uh, behind what Scripture is truly saying. So I think it's important that we learn it. Good news now with technology, you can study Greek just like I can study Greek. Uh, you can just Google, and there's plenty of things out there that you can, you can open up and learn. So I'm going to do this today. I'm going to share a few Greek words again, not to show you that I'm smart, even though y'all knew that already, but, you know, this, that would be a confirmation of what you are. No, I'm just kidding. But, but just to, but to help us understand, because this is important. I, I think this is important. And I'm afraid what's happened is this. If we don't understand what is being said in Scripture when we read it sometime, the enemy could turn around. He can use it against us. We can turn around and use it against one another. Things can happen in our life, and it never fulfills. And then you do this. Pastor's lying. Don't you blame it on me, Jack. I, I'm not new, new, new. Uh, no, Pastor's lying. He said if I did so-and-so, then that would happen. All right? This ain't magic formulas. This is some things here, Scripture, that we got to learn and understand. And so, so we see some things when we read about this thing called Scripture, the Word of God. When we read and hear those words, they're typically that you'll see when you, when you look. If you study this out on your own, I'm going to help, help you study it a little bit. There are three words that you'll find in Scripture when it's relation to this, uh, this word called Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God, and those types of things. The first one is this. The first one is, is the word graphe. And it's, uh, it, it's literally what we would come to see as just the simple written book, all right? Just the actual book itself. It's, 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 uh, for some of you, it's pages. For some of you right now in your hand, it's digital. Um, I think in either form right now, the graphe would, re, would be spoken to you and you can understand it is actually the book itself. Um, it, it was uh, a, a powerful book. And, and a lot of people do this. They actually read the graphe. They, they read this book and they just kind of maybe look at it as, hey, this is history. This is history book. I'm going I'm to kind of learn some things and you can read it in that way. Saved or unsaved can read, it, uh, open, read this book and open it up and look at it. And the Bible just itself is amazing. It really is ama- it's am- it's amazing. Uh, I, I just I heard these, these kind of, I guess, facts or details about Scripture when it comes to the Bible. And, and this, just, this is, is a trip. And this just blows my mind when you think about this, that, that over a 1,500-year span, the Bible was written. 1,400 B.C. to 100 A.D the book was written. Uh, over 40 generations, over 40 authors from walks of life such as kings and peasants and, and philosophers and fishermen and poets and statesmen and scholars wrote this book. It was written in different places, in wildernesses, in, in dungeons and in palaces. It was written in times of peace, in times of war. It was, it was written in different moods and people were in in different places in their life and heights of joy and in the depths of despair. 
It was, it was written in, in three different continents in three different languages. And as you read this book, it still maintained a perfect and beautiful consistency that we can't wrap our minds around. So we have to see something here. First of all, the graphic, the Word of God, this Bible is amazing because I couldn't do this. I actually did this one time in a service. It was funny uh, when I did this. If, if we just started on one side of the room, and I gave you a little saying, it says something to you, and I want you to do this. I want you to pass it on down the line. And by the time we passed it down the line, it got to Miyoshi, got over here to Tammy, and then it got to April. And I said, April, what did it say that we told Rudy? And then you get up and then you try to say what was said to Rudy. I don't know if you've ever played that game. Humorous. In most situations, what the outcome is and, and what that looks like. But here's what's amazing about the Bible. This long period of time by all of these people, written by all these places, and yet it comes together so perfect. Now, this Bible, the graph, this, the Bible's incredible. And, and I love it. And I actually, again, my mind goes crazy when I study Scripture sometimes. And I just start thinking about this stuff. And I was like, man, I wonder what the biggest Bible in the world is. What's the largest Bible? So I Googled it, found a picture of it. And so if you, if you guys would throw up on the screen the, the largest, world's largest Bible, this is what this is. Come on, somebody. You told me I hit some over the head with that one. And uh, that, 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 would, that would hurt. Listen, listen to this. Just, just as you see the picture, listen a little bit about it. And it's kind of it's just a trip just to think about that this Bible weighing in at 1,094 pounds with 8,048 pages. It measures 43 and a half inches tall and laid with open is 98 inches. Built in Los Angeles by Louis, Louis Wynne in 1930, he spent two years and over 8,700 hours creating this massive version of the complete King James Bible, man. He used a huge rubber stamp press that he made himself that he was able to print each page with. Now, that is pretty stinking. It's kind of cool just in itself. But you know something that could sit on your coffee table? And you could have a big light on it like some of y'all. Some of y'all, y'all, this, our Bible's been passed down from different generations. And we have the Bible right here. That was my great-grandma's, granny's, sister's, dog's, cousin's. That was, all, that was their Bible. It got passed down. And you set it on your coffee table. The light's on it. You gather around it. But if you never open it, Grafe itself won't save you. This book itself won't, won't, won't save us. And sometimes we kind of begin to think that way in certain situations. I, I, I know people, and again, I don't think this is a bad idea. It's probably a good idea to some degree, but not just enough alone. I, I actually know a couple who used to do this. They said when they were dating, they wanted to keep themselves pure. And that is important. Please understand how important this is, that God wants to keep you pure until the day that you say, I do, and you make that vow with your husband and wife. And they said it this way, we want to stay pure, so this is what we're going to do. We have a Bible, and they would go on a date, and they would put it right between them on a date. 
And they'd go out on a date, and then they would go out, and they would, you know, go eat, and they may go to movies or whatever, and then they're going to go, they're going to get to the place to where they get ready to leave, and then you know how difficult it may be. That Bible's there, and they're looking at it, and they... Now, not a bad idea. I think the, the truly only way that would actually work is if the world's largest Bible was the one that was actually sitting between you. I mean, I think that's the only way that it actually truly worked. Now, that, that's, I, I think it's important, but it's more going on here. Uh, this prophet, this is a powerful book, and we see a scripture. Again, I love, again, we need to know what it's speaking of when it speaks certain things. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture, all graphe, is given by inspiration. This book is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This book, this Bible, this, this is, is what he's given us. But that's not what he's speaking of in Ephesians 6. He doesn't say you can do this. You get in that spiritual battle. You get in that thing. You grab your sword. You just actually grab a physical book and try to throw it at the enemy. It's putting it between you. I ain't going to keep you pure. Because this is what can end up happening. Push that aside. It's the graphe. It's, it's important work. Next word we see when we look at Scripture, when you find this word called word, there's a word again in the Greek. It's the word logos. Uh, you may have heard that. There's people named ministries after that. There's software programs, logos. It is something that takes it to another level, and I, I love this. It is not just the book itself. It literally becomes, what is the message of this book? What is the meaning that is behind this book? Uh, not, not just the book itself, but what steps into. We see this again, this word called word, the logos of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we see the word there, logos, and it says, for the word, logos of God, is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. How is that, how, what does that mean? How does this log us? How is it living? How is it active? How, what does that mean? Because it also, the Bible tells us, and I love it, it says this in John chapter 1, we get to see something happen here where it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Logos, this, the Word of God, this, the, in the beginning, from the very beginning, this was there. And, and from the very beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That was it. That's how it's living. And he goes on in verse 14 of John 1, it says this, And the Word became flesh. That word that had been here before, before time had been there in the beginning. The word from the very foundation that was there stepped out of heaven into earth. And the word, the Logos, became, became this for us. Flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, man. 
I love this. I love it, man. He's given us this word. He's given us himself. Jesus came. And again, that's why we're pushing it, man. you got to get to know Jesus. Don't get to know religion. Get to know him. He'll change you. He'll do this. But Ephesians chapter 6, not using that word. No, Pastor, that's, that's some stuff. Jesus, the meaning of the book, that's not enough. Yeah, that's enough if you receive it. It's just like the Bible itself. You can have it sitting on the nightstand. You can have it sitting on the coffee table. It can have the light and it not save you. You know what Jesus did? He got out of heaven and came to earth and got on the cross for my sin and your sin. And you know something? Some are going to reject that. According to Scripture, many, many. So, Logos is enough if you encounter it. But Jesus himself came and gave his life. And many will say no to that. How do you reject that word? That's, that's the Logos of God. And it's not what we see in Ephesians 6. We see now the third and the final word that we see actually use when you study scripture, when you see the word word there, it's a word called rhema. And the uh, Bible college is named after this, this word, uh, the rhema of God. What, what does that mean? What does that look like? So, so Pastor, you're telling me I can't just have a Bible and get saved? I, can't, I can even actually read about Jesus and not get saved? Yeah. But you know that every person who is saved today and all those who, who got up and joined our church who testified of having a knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus, they did this. They at some point in their life received a rhema of God. They received a word of God. It is this. It is when that meaning of that word is spoken forth and those sayings do this. They go from information into revelation in your heart and life. And this, this literally, uh, this graphe and logos is illuminated by the Holy Spirit of God who comes in and then this rhema word comes in and you grab hold of this word. And so we see in Scripture some happen that even today, if you're saved, if, if you're a dear Christian, it happened because a word was spoken. And you received and trusted in and grabbed hold of the word. We read about this faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in Romans 10. I want you to see something for just a moment what happens and how this, how this got there and what took place to get to that point. In Romans 10, chapter 13, we see something happen. It says this, it says that for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, then how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Please understand, I'm not just the preacher up here in this room. I'm not the only one. You're called to preach and to share and teach the word of God with others. How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? 
And verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God, the word of God that is spoken into your life. It is the sayings of God. It is what he has said. So this is what is happening here. And so this is the word in Ephesians 6. This rhema word, this, this word, that when he said it is the word of God that he's given you to go fight an enemy. This is not then, just please understand, it is not just the book in its entirety. Because that scares some people. That messes with some folks who say this, I don't know the Bible like so-and-so. So they never fight. They get whipped. The sword of the Spirit is not just this one big book. It is the sayings within the book that have been spoken forth by our Father, the prophetic words that have been spoken by the utterances of men of God. It, it is the power of that word that is being spoken. And so he says this right now. He says that we can begin to take the sword of the Spirit, this word of God, and begin to fight with it. And this is what's incredible. Again, you've got to read it, study it. This is not this big, massive sword. Cool picture. Thankfully, it does this. It leads us to wonder how long the blade is on this picture, and I'm glad because the actual meaning is this. It's the shorter knife. It's the shorter sword. Some of y'all are like, man, it's not as dramatic, you know. I mean, when you have that sword and you pull it out, and it's that, rock. But please understand one word of God. Just one word. When you get it and grab hold of it and begin to use those swords. I, I get up here every, every week and I, I'm not doing this. I'm not throwing one big sword at you. Throwing swords at you. When you get into that place, when you begin to fight, you got to understand something. This short sword is saying this, that this is a face-to-face encounter with the enemy. Listen, please understand, God has given you everything that you need to win. He's put it in your hand. It's there for you if you would open this and begin to see what this is. And so these little swords are really cool because you don't have to know it all. Thankful. I'm thankful. And so this is what this means. You sit down with another believer and you sit down and open up your scripture for yourself and you get to Google out and you begin to look and begin to study. And if there's a situation that you're going through, you know what that salvation comes? We talked about that you're in the middle of getting saved. It's going to a lot of times come through you using that word. And so you take that sword, you take that, and you can just be one thing that you're going through. I'm right in the middle of trying to fight this thing. I've never gone through a situation in my life and there not be a sword for it. Never in my life have I gone through a situation, and I don't believe this, you will either. For every situation, there's a sword. For every situation, there is an answer. So take the sword of the Spirit, this Word of God, and begin to use it. Begin to open it up and read this and fight the enemy. And listen, some of you are like, man, he's right in my face. Good. I can't get him off me. Good, it ain't going to be near as hard. 
Take the word of, the, of, of, of God that he's given you, this sword of the spirit. Take this and use this word. It's there for you. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have degrees. and You don't have to have this thing. You just get a sword. And you take this and use it for the kingdom. He's given you his word. He's given it to you. You didn't earn this. It was the moment you became this Christian and you said, yes, he said, here. Now, I got to do something. I um, love that, what that represents. Love that what it represents. But one of the things God really, I felt like he really hit on my heart that I need to also teach on for today, and it's that second point. It won't be as long, but it's, a, it's equally important, please understand, is this, that he says something here that we must get. He says, this is the sword of the Spirit. Now, again, this is something God hit me with. And, and again, as dear Christian, I would, it was being, I hope, led by God when I get up here and speak these messages. And I'm saying, God, what is it as Christians, as believers today, what do we need to know and what should we see here in this? What is here for us that we must get a hold of? And what does this mean? And again, it just reminded me that we must see that this is the sword of the Spirit. What do you mean, Pastor? What are you saying? I'm saying this. Sword of the Spirit should never be used to wound in the flesh. Sword of the Spirit should never be used to wound in the flesh. This is not a flesh weapon. And I, I'm going to be honest, and as I've told you, I've, as I've been studying these scriptures and sitting down, Hoping this up and re- preparing every week. There's been things I've repented of. And this is one of those. Because, you know, I've done this. I've sat down and I've actually opened up the Word of God and studied it to prove my point. I knew that I was going to be in conversations. Matter of fact, we agreed to meet over coffee and hang out with a fellow believer of the gospel. You know what I did? I prepared to do battle in the flesh. And I sat down, and they started trying to say things that they believe, and they tried to say things there, what it was that they believe. And you know what I was doing? I was sitting there fighting a flesh. I was sitting there battling with someone in flesh. I was sitting there using the sacred word of God to prove my point. You know, there are people that do this, and we've all seen them, and Again, I think, again, sometimes they have great motives, I believe. But they're on that street corner. And they grab a sword out of this book. And they wound. And they hurt. And they kill. They get on that corner and they say that, that, that you this hatred or that Bible says this. and Does it, I don't know. <laughs> 
Again, this is through a Christian. It's different. It's not just for everybody, but it's for us. They're out there speaking to a person that this says the gospel is foolishness to them. And we take a sword out of that and we wound and we hurt and we do those things and we read it and we say, well, that's what, that's, that was a, no, 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 no. When we see scripture, we read it one just a moment ago that Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, 17, that all scripture, that's graphe, by the way, is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. All those things are true. it does not say all scripture is given to hurt a brother or wound a brother or doing these types of things. And here's the truth. Uh, when we use this in this light, when we do any of these things, God's convicting me. Maybe it's just me. If I use this for any other way in the flesh to tear down instead of build up, I'm being disobedient. And, and we must grab this and, 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 and quit taking a weapon that God gave us to use in the spirit. We've even spiritualized it. We even say, pray for my brothers. I'm getting ready to go meet with so-and-so today. I'm telling you, man, we got to hear this. And, and, and we got we to grab this. And you know what's happened? The body is divided. This body grabbed a hold of a sword and cut the body that they were in when it started their own. Then this body started, and then, and then this is what the church is known for today. What they're against instead of what they're for. What would it look like if Christians not just dear faith or new, but not, what would it look like if the body of Christ would come together and we would take the sword that God has given us to destroy the enemy and actually begin to use it to fight the enemy instead of fighting one another? What would take place? Oh, man, he's given us this book. It's the word of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. So don't use it in any other way. But it does mean this. The spiritual attack that you're under. The thing that the enemies come against you. And, and even though that spiritual thing will manifest itself naturally. I don't know why God's taking me here for a moment. The spiritual attack that will manifest itself physically still has to be fought spiritually. Please understand that. And in every situation, right now, there are people that's hurting. There are people right now that are hearing this. There, there's somebody God just put on my heart. He's going to hear this message later on a podcast. Listen, God has a specific word just for you. He's got a sword in his book. Pull over on the side of the road right now. Open it up. Crab it. There's a word for you in this book. But for you right now, right here, every situation, there's an answer. There's a sword of the Spirit.